The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 107 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out on the West Coast, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Good. We are recording on Sunday and the playoffs start tomorrow morning. So by the time you listen to this, it might already be going on. There's games in the morning, which is unusual, but I guess part of the bubble. It's probably the, I don't know, is that a good part of the bubble or a bad part of the bubble? I think it's good, right? One of our complaints is always that with the playoffs in the first round, you always end up with like the random series on NBA TV and you end up with series going on at the same times as others and you kind of have to pick or you got to get full screen, right? I think it's a good thing. I mean, the it's odd, I think, to be watching like Denver and Utah at 1 p.m. Eastern time, right? This is the not two teams you would typically expect to see at that time, but I well, think it's, it's great good. if you don't have a family, don't have a job. And I, that might describe a lot of our listeners. No disrespect to them. I, I was like in that boat like a few years ago, and I would have loved it. I would have loved to sit around and watch games all day. It's, it's going to be a little harder now. Well, not for um, people, but think about how many people are working from home still, too. Like, just put it on as background. Yeah, you can have noise. it on the background. That's true. Because, I mean, keep in mind, like, most NBA fans aren't watching games, like, glued to the television, like, taking notes about, like, what action Quinn Snyder's running to open the third quarter. So I think, like, it's, you know, I, I just would not want to, like, as far as background noise goes, Zane. Or if you want to be, you could watch, like, the last five minutes of each game yeah. if you're kind of casual. I just wouldn't want to be listening to, like, Mark Jackson in the middle of the day when I was trying to get something done. Because as you respond, as you texted me several times on Saturday during a well, very, my brother, very, my brother, Dondrick, co-host of the MTV challenge, accepted. <laughs> I didn't hear the line live, but he said Memphis was playing Portland. And he got Mark Jackson said a quote. They have to, you know, Memphis has to treat this like a playoff game. It's an insightful quote there. It, you know what it reminded me of when you texted me that? It reminded me of that scene in The Waterboy where Dan Fouts is like, last game of the season, can't hold anything back. And Brett Musburger's like, wow, Dan, did you think of that all by yourself? Because like Mark Jackson says the most ridiculous things. And he and again, gets like head coaching buzz every time. I mean, I mean so speaking of that, two, two pieces of NBA news. I don't remember if Jim Boylan got fired before we recorded or after we recorded on Friday, I honestly have no idea, but Jim Boylan out as head coach of the Chicago Bulls, and then your guy, Alvin Gentry, I would say in a decently surprising move, out. I'm surprised not, by not, both. I'll tell you why. Because I, you know, look, before the bubble or whatever, before the shutdown, Kenny Atkinson got fired, David Fisdale got fired before that. I thought this whole corona thing would save a lot of these hot seat coaches. Because it's like, who wants a new coach now? How much are they going to be able to do? do you know Vlade Divac got fired like how much is a new GM going to be able to do during this time and it seems like they're still getting the axe um so like yeah Gentry I thought was a borderline guy got fired and Boylan I thought maybe they would keep just for a year just to see you know 
because it's a new GM, maybe he just wants to make a year to evaluate the roster and the coaching staff, but he immediately made that decision. Yeah, I think Boylan was a good move to fire. Gentry, I kind of am in between on it. Well, yeah, he- that's you. Gentry is more similar to what you usually see happen, which is like there's a new front office, David Griffin. They give them like a year, and it usually they fire them after that year because they want to hire their own guy. Um, yeah. And so I think rightfully so, Chicago is like, look, let's just hire our own guy now. Let's go into the same page and complete confidence in whoever we're hiring as the coach. Yeah, and I think it's not surprising that David Griffin would be wanting to bring in his own guy now after what he's seen. And it's not that he doesn't know Alvin Gentry or think Alvin Gentry's a capable coach, but I, I think that like as David Griffin, the rebuild starts. It's not even a rebuild anymore. Like it just starts now. It, well, it's uh, just hard to inherit somebody. It's like if you move into a new apartment and you're like, "Hey, by the way, the uh, the last guy, you know, he was dating this girl. You, you you're going to date her now." And you're like, "Huh? Like I don't, I don't really know if I like this girl. I guess I'll see." You but also, usually uh, I want to find somebody else. You also on uh, BovadaSportsbook.com can get prices on who's going to be the next coach of the Bulls and the next coach of the Pelicans. Oh, really? And I would like to bet that. I've and as you'd be surprised, Zan, Ty Lue is up there and Jason Kidd and Jacques Vaughn. And then there's also your kind of like Wait, Do you Jackson. have the actual odds? Because I would, uh, I would Yeah, actually, actually, hold on. I can bring them up really quick. One second. It's one of my favorite things to do is speculate about coaches. Speculate, speculate wildly, right? All right. And usually correctly, but... I don't know about that usually correctly. Out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I can do... For all basketball futures, I can get – this is bad radio. All right, next head coach of the Chicago Bulls for game one of the 2021 NBA season on Bovada. We have plus 200, Kenny Atkinson, which is quite surprising. Good West, Would be a good pick. Wes Unseld Jr., plus 400. Adrian Griffin, plus 450. Darvin Ham, hey, plus 550. Adrian Griffin uh, – let me go – I know we're going to talk a deep dive playoffs, but let's just do coaching really quickly. Usually, you know, like amateur fans like myself and, and betting sites, the most logical thing that you always do is like, where did the GM come from? He's going to hire somebody he knows or somebody he worked with. And so, the, you know, the new executive in Chicago comes from Denver. Wes Unsell Jr. is like a smart guy who's been on their staff. That makes a lot of sense. You put the, you kind of connect the dots that maybe they're not even connecting themselves because maybe he knows him and, and doesn't like him. You know, he's like, I've worked with this guy for five years. I think he's an idiot. But more often than not, they tend to hire somebody with some history. Yeah. Um, this, so this is, I, I think Denver is a possibility. Um, this is how. What, this is how. This is how that always goes. It's how it goes in college. Like it's the same deal. Like you're not hiring somebody that like, you know, unless you have a, unless it's like Tom Thibodeau, right? Like who has a history of like being a, a decent coach in the NBA. Like I wouldn't hire him, but like if you're a general manager and that's a guy and he's going to come in and he's going to be unbelievable in the room and like his binder is going to look great. And he has a very good career winning percentage to look back on. Like, you know, that stuff is different, but yeah, if you're going to hire a first time guy, cause I actually think Zan, and I don't want to speculate wildly cause there are some other things on here. Like e is plus 700, Becky Hammond plus 1400, Steven Silas is plus 750. Like I think the Pelicans could do a Toronto Raptors situation and just promote Chris Finch. Like I think yeah, that could I was going to, Depends. I was going to say, because most people don't know these guys. The guys that I would hire personally, you just mentioned Chris Finch is an assistant in New Orleans. He'd been an assistant in Denver. Flag that because, you know, the Chicago co- you know, exec came from Denver. And, he, and prior to that, he's like Nick Nurse. He's just like one in a bunch of like foreign countries and minor leagues. And it's like he just has a proven history of success and runs a very up-tempo modern offense. Seems like an obvious hire for somebody. 
I, I think so too. Uh, David Vanderpool was a guy that had a lot of buzz, but like he's supposed to be a defensive guru and Portland is just so bad defensively. It's, it's very funny. I was, I bet the over in the game uh, on Saturday and I was like nervous cause it was like a hundred, it was like 110 point first half. And then I immediately got a 71 point third quarter. And I was like, man, these teams hate playing deep. And we're so excited. Cause you know, the, the seating games have been fun. But it's sort of like an appetizer and a moose bouche for the main meal. We're finally getting real games, real series on even courts. It's going to be a twist we've never seen before. So we wanted to break down each of those series, just round one. Let's not look ahead past that because you never know what the next matchup's going to be um, until we tell you, I guess, because we're going to make the picks and predictions and come up with some analysis for each. And that's why. I want you to put on your coach's cap, your basketball cap, your scouting cap to give us some really good insight past just the box scores. Um, talk about matchups. And we're going to start with maybe one that you don't want to spend a lot of time on. The number one seed, Milwaukee Bucks, are playing the number eight seed, 33 and 40, Orlando Magic. I just have one question for you, Tyler, about this matchup. Do you think Orlando can win a single game? Yeah, and I think this is the right question, right? Because uh, currently on Bovada, the series price is uh, the Bucks are minus 10,000 to beat the Orlando Magic. So it's not so much are they going to win, but rather when they're going to win. Uh, this is exactly why I think we were talking about not being worried about the Bucks, right? And it's not a situation where we think Orlando is not a good team. It's not a situation where we think that like Milwaukee can just roll the balls out. These are NBA players. They're capable. No John Isaac, it's a big deal. I think he's a guy I would have enjoyed seeing match up with Giannis. I think for Giannis's sake, it would have been better to have a guy who's like a very engaged defender before they have to play either Indiana or Miami in the second round. But I would expect Milwaukee to sweep this series. I think if I had to gamble on it, I would bet on a sweep. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Orlando won a game. I do think Milwaukee should be restful with their guys I think they should be trying some things but this is the series why we we said like they just don't have to worry about getting right right away because when the playoffs start and the lights turn on they have an opportunity to coast a little bit to start and and get themselves mentally prepared for what that second round series is going to be but this I would expect this to be sweet I I think like overwhelmingly 80% sweet I would I would not maybe a 4-1 yeah I I I just don't think Orlando is good enough I you know I just don't and and Milwaukee you know their point differential this year is plus like 10 per game i mean it's ridiculous so they're so used to like blowing teams out resting Giannis at the end of the games i think they they should know it's in our best interest get this over with make sure Giannis doesn't have to play five more minutes than he needs to um i agree with you i i this is probably the only series i'm going to say 4-0 sweep i think i'll say i think there's probably going to be one other series that i believe is going to be a sweep but it's also well, that, the other. That's a teaser. That's a heck of a teaser. It's also um, the other Eastern Conference series, the seven-two series. I well, let's talk about it. Toronto's the two. They're playing the frisky Brooklyn Nets, led by Jock Vaughn. So you're thinking head coaching candidate Jock Vaughn? I just I think so. Raptors are minus twenty-two hundred on Movada, which is a, a pretty hefty price as well for a team. You know, and the Raptors have. If you want to talk about like the teams that have looked the best in the bubble outside of the Phoenix Suns and, and perhaps the Blazers, although we'll, we'll talk about the Blazers in a little bit and some of their issues, Toronto has looked the best of any team in the Eastern Conference. And I think if I'm a Raptors fan and I'm, I'm thinking that maybe they can defend their title, like I'm feeling pretty good about it. This Brooklyn team is, is plucky. We saw it on Thursday night. Karis LeVert, very good, very fun to watch him go shot for shot with Dame. But 
at the end of the day, I just don't think Toronto's too disciplined, that they're too deep, and they're just too solid around around the board. Like I could see it being four one, but again, like I think this Toronto team is very business like. I think they have the best mindset in the bubble right now. I think they're probably the the best coached team currently. And so in that regard, I just don't see a team like Brooklyn coming in and I just don't see like Toronto letting their foot off the gas to lose a game. Now, again, it's an NBA game and players are good as we've seen, but this Toronto team is, is very good and very solid. And I don't think that Brooklyn's the team that matches up best with them to, to be able to beat them. So I think this yeah. is a sweep as well. And sometimes I'll ask you if, if there's going to be an upset in a series, like what's the path forward? Like, how does it happen? Like what's the advantage the underdog has? And with Brooklyn, like I just don't even see one like you could say hey Karis Levert uses his size scored well beat up on Portland's guards but like yeah, you, you can't do that on, against Toronto no you, you you got like Siakam you got Ananubi Rondé Hollis Jefferson's playing really well so it's not like a situation where Levert's gonna have you know for as good as CJ McCollum has been and on Saturday like last minute of the game he was tremendous like that's a guy that guys get buckets on and it's not gonna happen against Portland's depth or against I'm sorry against uh, Toronto's depth of wings and I think like that's the one thing on Toronto that you know, we don't talk about it as much as we probably should, but in terms of a defensive team, like they have very tough guards, right? So we know Van Vliet is super tough. We know Kyle's super tough, but they're small, but then they've balanced it out with this collection of wing defenders and like Norman Powell, Terrence Davis, who are bigger and longer. Plus they have their supersized wings as well. And then you add in Abaka and you add in Marcus Gasol, and like Chris Boucher is, is showing some signs of life, which is really good. And I just think that like, this is a team that, that can neutralize wing scores, and it's why I think they match up so well with the rest of the Eastern Conference. But I, I, I well, think they're, yeah. they're going to roll. It could get ugly. Toronto has the second-best defense. Brooklyn has a bottom-10 offense. It's not yeah. a good combination. No, it's not. It's not. I, I'm going to say 4-1, though. Just, I, you know, I think Brooklyn can sneak one out, let, you know. Um, Jock Vaughn. I do like Jock Vaughn. I mean, it sounds I like, like him as a college player. I don't think he's going to get the Nets job. I just think it's a little bit too, there's too much noise about like what KD and Kyrie need. And Jock Vaughn is a, a quiet guy, like more of right. a disciplinarian. It doesn't seem like Jock Vaughn seems like a really good guy for like a younger team that needs to like hone their habits correctly. Well, and also, like, if people are saying Jacques Vaughn is a candidate based on the fact that Brooklyn's played pretty well in the bubble, they have played well. Next year's team's not going to be this team. It's, I mean, like, exactly. it's a different job assignment. Like, right away, you're adding back DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Like, those four guys are going to play. You know, I don't know that DeAndre will play 30 minutes a game because Jared Allen is, is pretty good. Like, he, he probably should play more. But again, you're exactly right. Like, the majority of their scoring isn't playing currently so why would Jacques Vaughn's impact on you know I don't even know like Chris Chioza matter right. in this sense it, it but should. he showed well good for him because he had a bad run in Orlando before he did. um now play more competitive series Boston at three is playing rival Philadelphia at six obviously Philadelphia is missing Ben Simmons does that tilt the scales to non-competitive series i don't think it's going to be non-competitive right i've said this before uh boston is the one team i think that matches up poorly with the 76ers i think how they've matched up with the sixers in the past was one of the reasons why the sixers gave al horford the amount of money they did i think to get him away from boston uh, boston is minus 440 on bovada the sixers pretty good value actually at plus 320 i don't think that means that they're going to win the series I would expect this to be Boston in six. I don't really believe in Philly's guards. I, you know, you're a Shake Milton fan. 
Josh Richardson's had some good games, and, and Embiid is, is really good. But as we've said, the path forward for the Sixers right now is can you really defend and can you slow the game down and can Embiid score 35 to 40 to, you know, however many a game. And I just don't see it. I, I think, like, he's obviously a little gimpy with his ankle. He's gotten some rest. He looked quite good against Portland on Friday, although he his it's just a joke how he acts on the court. Like, I just think Embiid's focused on a lot of the wrong things. I think Boston wins in six. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if it was less than that. I yeah, don't I think, think it, Philly has as much of a chance as people are trying to talk themselves into having. Like, it's great. Embiid is, you know, it, it is what he is at this point. But, like, there are certain times I watch him and I think he's just more of a detriment despite how talented he is. And I think against a team like Boston with the way they match up, like, Philly just doesn't have enough wing defenders to guard who they – you know, you got to stop Jason Tatum. You got to stop Jalen Brown. You got to stop Gordon Hayward. And then all of a sudden, like we've talked about, you have Marcus Smart and then like you have Kemba. And so like, unless Embiid is going to give us like true Shaq, like 38 and 20 numbers, I just don't see the path to a win for the Sixers. Well, you could say, you know, at least they have one advantage Embiid against like sort of the undersized Boston center spot. He could score 30 a game. He could score 35 a game and they could still lose every game. Correct. Um, That's exactly right. And so maybe without Ben Simmons, like Tobias Harris has a little bit of a better series. Like, you know, maybe you see more from Josh Richardson because there's more spacing, but again, like the, the total lack of a point guard and like somebody get guy shots, unless you're posting Embiid every time down the floor, I just don't see like the Sixers offense, I just don't see the path forward against a Boston team that's very good. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I'm more curious to see Boston in this sense. Like, it feels like for, you know, Boston's always overhyped. You know, the media market teams just like love talking about Boston, Boston, Boston. Um, I feel like they're kind of slept on in some way this year. Like, you're talking about a team that's fourth in offense, fourth in defense. Their point differential is second in the NBA behind Milwaukee. Um, and so for them, I, I think they have a chance to make the finals and if, Hey, if they have the chance to make the finals, maybe they have a chance to win. And I just want to see them like have that mentality. Like if they can win this series in five games, it shows to me like they're ready to go. Um, and if it takes them six, then I'm going to start to think like there's something not, they're not quite at that level yet. Maybe they need another year. And it's interesting too. And again, we'll get to this. Like I want to see Boston Toronto quite badly, just like I want to see Milwaukee and Miami quite badly. Cause I think those teams match up very well against each other, you know, and, and I think, you know, we'll talk about it as we get there, but you know, Boston probably matches up a little bit better with Milwaukee than they do with Toronto. And I think like, that's the point, like we need to see how good are their wings going to play and, and what are we getting from Kemba? Like, are we going to get 38 minute a game Kemba Walker that we've seen in the past or are we going to have to rely on like a lot more of like Brad Wanamaker, which is okay. Like Brad's a good player. I just think that with the Celtics, it's going to be very interesting to see how they use their rotation and see where their points come from because, you know, they're not the deepest team at this point. That's what right. big problem. I, I think I really like Boston, but I think they're like six deep really because you yeah. have their starters and Marcus Smart and I don't I know who else. I, I um, can see, I can see six deep. That, that, yeah. They're a little, they're slightly deeper than that, but I know but what you that, mean. Yeah. And Kemba's been a little bulky. So, like, that's another reason I would like to, for their sake, win in five games, get healthy, get ready for round two. I would be very interested to see at some point if we get to see Kemba, Marcus Smart, and the three wings and just, you know, play like Houston does for, you know, even if it's 10 minutes, because they have been very, very hesitant to do so. And I don't, you know, I don't know that they will do it at all, but in the playoffs against, especially against a team like the Bucks, you know, that, that lineup could be really good if Marcus Smart can make some shots. But well let's stick with round one because the last series in the East, 
technically Indiana is the four. Yeah, because Miami's the five. They beat they beat Indi. I'm sorry, they beat Miami on Friday, right? Yeah. What's the series odds? I would imagine Miami's heavily favored. Uh, not have yeah Miami uh, on Bovada Miami minus three hundred Indiana plus two fifty. That is uh, That's quite a difference, I and I like Miami a good bit. I like Miami a good bit in this one. I like Miami in general, but say you're Indiana and you, you're trying to pull off this upset. Like, what's your edge? Like, what? How? What's your path forward to winning this series? I mean, I think the simple answer is that TJ Warren's healthy and he scores a million points, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they have looked good with their sort of smaller lineup. Their offense looks more dynamic. But then you have Jimmy Butler guarding him, right? I mean, that's yeah. a tough matchup. And then can they – their defense – you know, look, India has always had a good defense. So, yeah, Nate McMillan, that's one thing he's pretty good at is coaching a very solid defense. Right. So I could see some close games. Um, we also really haven't seen – you know, Miles Turner – I, I like want to talk myself into him. He's getting paid a lot of money, but like Miles Turner's been not super effective, right? Like he he has well, he's kind of like he's like the running back who's like they always say that line. It's like if you need a yard, he'll get you three yards, and if you need five yards, he'll get he'll you three get you yards. Three yards. I, I wonder if against Miami, he's just it's just a bad matchup for him with Bam because Bam can pull you away from the basket, like he can guard you away from the basket, like. Miles doesn't really want to pick and roll a ton. They don't have a ton of screen and dive guys. And so, like, I wonder if, like, Miami specifically is a bad matchup for Indiana. And, again, they, they you know, they did just beat Miami. So, like. Yeah, I, my instinct is, like, I have some faith. I think Indiana got, like, a little disrespected, and they're a little better than people think. And maybe they can win a couple of games and keep games close. I just don't see them winning this series or even getting to seven, personally. Yeah, I would say that I think Miami in five seems relatively likely, but I think out of respect to Indiana, we might as well say Miami in six. But like if if TJ Warren's banged up, like you got to score at some point, right? Miami will slow it down. They'll they'll, they'll play, you know, little Jimmy Butler pick and roll and we'll see him shoot a lot of threes, but like you got to score. And if, if, you know, Victor Oladipo has looked, you know, just very poor on offense. Like, and I think that's just a huge storyline right now because, like, somebody has to score for them. Malcolm Brogdon is a very solid player, but, like, I mean, these are Oladipo's, like, he shot over 50% in the bubble, I think, like, twice, you know? So it's it's interesting for Indiana because it's like, you know, Philly is one of those teams where it's like, if it doesn't work, they might just blow the whole thing up. I kind of felt like Indy had that vibe, but then Nate McMillan got the extension. Oladipo's going to get. He's a free agent next year. Like, do you just keep this team together? Is this team good enough? I guess, you know, hey, being in the fourth or fifth seed and losing in round one is not a bad fate, but I just don't see much upside past that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I suppose if they gave McMillan an extension that they're kind of rolling with this core, right? Yeah. I mean, um, I would, so- like I said, I, I think this will be – this or the Sixers series should be the best series, but it wouldn't surprise me if no Eastern Conference series went beyond right. five games. And, and we can't help but, like, peek ahead to round two because round two could be really great. In really the East. good. It's just yeah. round one's kind of lame. Um, round one in the West should be a little more competitive. Round, round one in the West, like, should be pretty awesome, truth <laughs> be told. And let's talk about the series that everyone's already talking themselves into, like, a heavyweight title fight for some reason. Uh, the Lakers at number one against the play-in team. People's champ, Damian Lillard and Portland Trailblazers. What do you think um, the series odds are? Dan? I saw that it's a lot lower than I would have anticipated. I mean, like in terms of, it's a lot closer, I would say. 
Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Take a guess what you think the Lakers. I, I are. thought I thought I read it was like Portland plus three hundred or four hundred or something. Yeah, Portland is plus three seventy five. Lakers minus five fifty on Bovada. So, and what a difference between Milwaukee's that was what minus two thousand or something. They were minus ten thousand. So <laughs> let's talk about Portland for a second. Again, uh, tremendous in the bubble. Dame, you know, wasn't as good. He was very good on Saturday, but he wasn't as good. He wasn't you know one hundred and fifty one points in three games. Good. McCollum really good down the stretch. Melo finds a way to make a big shot. Uh, they got some good minutes from Wenyan Gabriel, which was interesting. Nurk was awesome. I mean, just like tremendous. I'm interested to know what's going to happen with Zach Collins, right? Because he had been very bad and then he didn't hardly play at all in the game. And so I wonder, you know, like they said he was like sort of banged up, right? And we know that. And so like, are they not going to use Zach Collins at all. I know. I love watching Portland because it's like, I told you off podcast that it's like, they remind me of the Detroit Lions because they're like, they're just good enough and just bad enough. Like if they play a great team, they're in the game until the end. And if they play a terrible team, like they're still like, it's still like a one point game somehow. It's like, they're just so mediocre um, as a team. You know, obviously Lillard's incredible, but like the team is just so flawed (laughs) beyond him where it's like, I think they found something in their lineup. They're like, look, this is our best offensive lineup. We have Lillard, we have McCollum, who's you know banged up. Gary Trent can shoot. Carmelo can shoot the three. And then Nurkic, who's really skilled inside. What a great offensive lineup. The problem is, like, none of those guys can guard LeBron James. No, they match uh, up. Or Anthony Davis. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest issue, right? Is, like, you, you don't want Whiteside on Anthony Davis. And Nurk is very, very good. But, like, these are all going to be shootouts. And Portland can't guard anybody. In every single one of their games, they've had to play their guys like tons and tons of minutes. CJ looking exhausted by the end of every. That's game. what I'm saying, and like it's amazing to watch. Like, but CJ McCollum's playing with like a fractured vertebrae in his back. Like, are we really expecting them to be able to like take it to the Lakers? Like, I do think I they'll have it. some. I do think they'll have some hot shooting nights. I absolutely do think that. But like, I don't know if I bet on a sweep. Like, Dame's probably good enough on his own to say like they should win in five. But like. They just match up so poorly with the Lakers. And again, like I don't expect the Lakers to just not be able to shoot the ball. And I do think there are some real issues for the Lakers. I think like LeBron's looked a little bit lethargic. Anthony Davis has had some great games and he's, you know, had some okay games. And then they're trying Deion Waiters has the ball an awful lot for a guy that wasn't even on the team before the restart. So like, but this is a good series, I think, for the Lakers to kind of get right offensively. Like I hate to say that, but but and also kind of like assert their will. Like I think people want to talk themselves into Portland because it's the Lakers guards have looked bad in the bubble and they haven't shot well. They haven't defended well. Lillard could score 50 against them in theory. It's just. He could score 50 and they could lose. Right. It's like a Joel Embiid situation because it's like, I, I think LeBron, I mean, if he's healthy, if LeBron's healthy, he could just completely dominate this team. Let me, like let me ask you. Who's, who's guarding him? Carmelo? That's what, that's what I was going to say. Like you're, you're playing a lineup, right? He, they they typically start the two CJ Dame Collins Nurkic and Carmelo Anthony. Who of those five guys is guarding LeBron James? Nobody. And and you know who they're probably going to use? I like Gary Trent. He's a good shooting guard, but like he he's like a passable defender. So suddenly he has to be their stopper. He did a guarding, pretty good job. He guarded he guarded John Moran. He guarded John Moran, and he like did okay. You know, John took a ton of right. shots. It's hard to keep John front. Like he's he was awesome on Saturday in the second half. I thought, but like this is the biggest problem. Like they don't have anybody to guard Anthony Davis. They have nobody to guard LeBron James. And I know how crazy it is to say that because like most teams suffer from that 
But, like, Portland doesn't have one live body defender to throw at LeBron. Not one. No, and, and if push came to shove, the Lakers could, like, hunt down C.J. McCollum, who's a bad defender anyway and is hurt. It's, it's crazy. This, to me, like I said, this, the Portland story is awesome. I would love to see Dames shove it in everybody's faces. Dames, no, I would love it, too. Carmelo, I mean, like, like, of all the teams, they're the one I'm rooting for. It's because I love the pluckiness of them, but you know, I, I think they're going to lose in five. I did text you this. We've talked a lot about Carmelo on this show, right? A lot about him, and he did not shoot it well on Saturday. But it is, there is a little bit of, like, old school, like, Melo gives them what they need from that spot, right? You'd rather have Ariza. You'd rather be able to play Melo more at the four, but like he posts, he can make a fadeaway jump shot. He, he takes corner threes. Like, right. I, no, totally. It's, it's he, like, it's weird. Offensively for sure. And it's just like what you said. It's like when Portland a few years ago, they would have, you know, Mo Harkless or Aminu and Aminu, guys who were good, yeah. but like they were like athletes. Yep. And, and it's, they don't it's, have that. And it's funny too. Like, I think it's fine. It's, you know, from an analytical standpoint, like it's probably fine to have Carmelo if nobody's playing defense, right? Like I feel so bad for Nurkic because like that dude has, like, he's just constantly protecting the rim, right? And that's what your job is. But like, if nobody's going to guard anybody, like what does it matter if Carmelo stinks defensively, right? You just got to win every game in the 140s. Like, that, Yeah, is, that's why Nurkic looks so tired because he's like, he is the only defender inside. He's the only rebounder. He's, it's, he's not athletic enough he to was, like prowl around and do that. I, it's crazy because like, I don't feel like he's gotten a lot of credit. Like this has been the Dame show and like McCollum's had some really good games. Gary Trent's gotten some credit. Everybody loves the Mellow story. He's kind of completed his arc as somebody who people like, like they thought he was like a selfish gunner and now they're kind of like, oh, he's a leader, which is like hilarious. But, like, damn, like, was Nurk so good in the first half against Yeah, but they got to give him some rest. Like, I think they got to cut his minutes down, let Whiteside play some. Or your guy, Zach Collins, maybe let him play some five and then yeah, give those I, guys a break. Honestly, that's the one thing I kind of thought. It's like, if, if your lineup's going to stink anyway, right? Like, if you're going to stink defensively and just be so bad defensively, why can't you play, like, Mello or Gabriel at the four, Collins at the five, and then Trent, CJ, and Damian Lillard. Like, why can't that happen? Because here's the thing. Those guys are playing 45 minutes a game. You can't sit Dame at all. Like, I mean, he, he, he needs to get the, like, 30 seconds at the end of the first quarter, one minute in the middle of the second quarter, and then, like, no rest in the second. I don't know where the guy gets the energy from. It's unbelievable, man. Like, Portland, definitely one of the more fun stories of the bubble. But I would expect the Lakers to roll them. I think they're exhausted. And I just – I know. I, it's it's going to be a sad end. I hope they – you know, I was thinking that about series, like you talk about a four, one series or a four, two series. Like there's a difference in like a four, let's say four, two series. Like let's say Portland wins game one and then wins game three, you know, like that feels like a very competitive series. If the Lakers are up three Oh, and then they like lose two games and then win, it's like, that feels like a non-competitive series. So if Portland can yeah. win their one game early the series is going to feel a lot Look, more fun i've said this before we talked about this on te- via text like late on thursday night if i'm portland right this is your team okay this is your team but i've said it before like maybe they benefit a little bit from trading trading cj mccollum for a guard who has a little bit less offense but can defend a little bit more next to damian lillard but if you're not going to do that because you love damon cj they need to spend all 30 million on a wing like it needs to be it can't just be like two guys like they they need Gallinari right like they need that guy and you have to do it in the next two years otherwise like it's otherwise you've wasted like honest to god like Dane might be on a hall of fame track like he really might be and you're probably gonna you're gonna waste his whole career if you don't find a guy that can like guard a high usage wing because it's it's crazy well I agree I've always been a defender of it it's just like 
of the pairing, but now I'm I'm turning because it's like McCollum can be a lead guard somewhere and, and be a high volume scorer or whatever, but like he's not he's just hasn't doesn't have the ball enough to be that effective no. offensively and, and, to neutralize and his defense. He's so good when he does have the ball, but it's right. it's wild watching teams hunt him. Like because he, right. he is well and Lillard, like it's like a James Harden thing where it's like He's playing 38 minutes a night. He's, you know, scoring 30 points a game. Maybe that's your offense. It's just like, it's like yeah. a James Harden. Like you're just it's, give the ball to Lillard and then everyone else just play defense. And, and I wouldn't hurts. even say that I think Dame is terrible defensively. Like some nights he's really, really bad. But like he, when he takes a challenge, like he's definitely capable of playing defense. But all right, next series. What is it? Clippers and Dallas, right? Yeah, theoretically a great series. Dallas has one of the best point differentials in the league. Um, sixth best i think tough matchup though uh yeah. do, you, do you see it happening best offense in dallas clippers have second best offense in the league so it's number one versus number two the difference is clippers have the fifth best defense as well yeah this and series dallas is does not this series is wild okay so the clippers are are at some are somehow minus 650 to win this series which on Bovada, which which seems like a very high number, but when you truly look at it, like Dallas at plus four twenty five, it's like man, if you believe in Luca, like is he good enough to win? But like the Clippers get Montrez back, like we finally get to see him at full strength. Like maybe there's a good spot to kind of figure out to bet Dallas early, and I think Dallas will win a game or two, but I just don't know how they win. Right? They, they've they're so bad in close games. They they play so fast all the time, Luca has looked really good in the bubble, all bubble first team, whatever, whatever you want to say that means. But like, it just feels like this Clippers team at full strength is just a lot better than Dallas because Dallas just isn't going to be able to get enough stops. Right. Like I think that's the big flaw. Maybe with Dwight Powell, maybe with Willie Cauley Stein, they have a better, you know, chance of doing it, but they're going to play these games in like the one forties. And the problem is the Clippers have bodies to throw at you off the bench for, for a seven game series. So like you better make sure you can score 140 every game, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Dallas's offense is legit, obviously. Um, Luca's legit, you know, the jury's out and we've come back with the verdict. You know, he kind of reminds me of watching him as a scorer. Um, he kind of reminds me of like young LeBron, like without the athleticism, like, because he's just like a big dude he and he's like so big. skilled inside and uses his size well. And he's obviously a great passer as well. Um, but the, the way to defend guys like that is like, could you pick two better guys than Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, um, that's exactly and, right. And then on the other end, I just don't see Dallas stopping Clippers at all. Um, I think you're right. Like I, I could see them winning Dallas winning two games just cause like they have better chemistry and, and, Clippers are still trying to figure it out, but at the, well, you know, push comes to shove. I, I think the Clippers are maybe the best team in the NBA, and I think like a notch better than Dallas. I think they'll win four two. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you know, I, I don't at this point in time. I, I am not as confident as my in my Lakers, com, you know, convictions as I was before. I guess like I, I really liked the Lakers going into the bubble. I don't like them quite as much. The Clippers, I think, have a few more excuses, and I think getting. Trez back is is a really big deal and we're not going to see anybody sit out anymore we're going to see Paul George and Kawhi every game and you know unless the Mavs can kind of jump them early and maybe Rick Carlisle is good enough like maybe he can see some things that like we haven't seen I just think that this is a series where like 
It's a tough matchup. Like, Maybe, I, I, yeah, can, like I would like Dallas's chances against any other team more than I think. So, I think so too. Just because like the one thing that they have is Luca, and I think he'll get his numbers. But if you make him work really hard, then you're making you're taking the ball out of Porzingis's hands, and Porzingis was very good in the bubble as well. And I think that was the best sign is to see both those guys playing really well together. But I think this Clippers team is, you know, just perfectly set up to really bother those two guys, and so. I just don't. I just don't see it. Honestly, I, I would love it though. Like Dallas is. I mean, this is like congratulations, LA. Like you're you're finally really good, and like you get to play Luca in the first round. Like I think this is going to be fun I, it to might watch. Be good for them because like the Clippers like have been coasting. Yeah. All year, um, and they they might get like you know it's sort of like Warriors last year. Remember before the Kevin Durant injury, the Clippers like won two games against them in the first round. They kind of like snuck up on them and maybe it was like a wake up call to the Warriors. Um, and then they ended up getting hurt and obviously they didn't win the title, but maybe the Clippers need like that fight, that punch in the mouth to like get their shit together basically. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point. And again, like we get to see everybody play together. There was that stupid article about Kawhi and Paul George, like improving their chemistry during uh, the quarantine, which is like, you know, just just play basketball, fellas. But like, maybe they maybe they are solving their problems. And I think like if you yeah. watch, well, they're like so talented because it's like I feel like they haven't gotten their s together, as I said. But they're top five team, top five offense, top five defense. It shows you how good like their they're potential. Just, is. They're just really really good. And like I said, I mean, if we watch them just roll over Dallas, and there is a possibility that happens. Like I, it, it, it obviously is a possibility. I don't think it will. But like, if they just roll over Dallas. Like, what is your outlook for the rest of the Western Conference playoffs look like? Because you know, we're going to talk about this next Utah-Denver series, but, like, also, Houston has some injury problems. LeBron doesn't look super great. Like, maybe maybe the Clippers' run to the finals is easier than we yeah, think. Yeah, I, I have a friend in L.A. who thought, you know, a little bit of a homer, but thinks the Clippers are just going to sweep through the, the entire playoffs and win the title easily. That is I, I don't, almost possible. certainly not going to happen. He thinks they're going to go 16-0? No, not 16-0, but just, like, you know, win every series 4-1 or 4-0. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen either, just because, like, I, I don't uh, – Milwaukee's very good. Like, it's, it's – My friend you know, was Doc Rivers. <laughs> okay. Um, Next uh, one's one's Utah and Denver. This is a series. Denver's the three. Utah's the six. Um, Based on all stats, though, they're almost identical. Uh, And then the difference, of course, is Utah does not have Bojan Bogdanovich. Yeah, this one is actually off the board right now. I was assuming this one had the closest odds on Bovada, but it's actually off the board on Bovada. I've, I've seen it like two to one, basically. In I would assume Denver. I would assume Denver's like somewhere like plus one fifty, right? Yeah, like, it's about that. Yeah, or I'm sorry, minus one fifty. So, right, right. good thing about Utah is they are going to have everybody healthy to start this series with, uh, but no Mike Conley, which is a big, you know, as big a deal as you want to. His wife is giving birth, so oh, I didn't I, even know that. So yeah. he's not playing the first game. I mean, I don't general. know how long it depends on what is this a water birth? Well, how long yeah. is this going to take? Yeah. Well, I don't know how long he has to quarantine for. Right. So they may be without Mike Conley for the whole series. Jordan. Really? Emmanuel Moutier is probably going to start. Uh, Quinn Snyder has said that he prefers Jordan Clarkson off the bench, which I like Quinn Snyder. And I think that's probably true because Jordan Clarkson has like the greenest light I've ever seen for a bench score. Uh, he's like basically got the Lou Williams green light. So, but this was an expected thing. I didn't, they probably didn't think it was going to happen, you know, the day before the playoffs started. They were probably hoping it happened before that, but it's a big loss, you know, from a defensive standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. I would, I would think that like not having Mike Conley for four to six games probably would force me. I mean, I think Denver is better than Utah. I think this is a good matchup for Utah, but I think Denver is better. And I think that 
at their slight favorites, like I said, at, at minus 150. Or I, I mean, at like minus 150-ish, like that seems about right. Well, that's probably why it's off the board because I'll tell you something, like coming into this podcast, this was going to be my big pick. Um, I thought Utah would potentially win this series um, based on a few factors. One is, like I said before, like, statistically like they're dead even utah's actually a little better yeah they're um but that's with bogdanovich so minus bogdanovich you know they're probably a little worse i just really liked their starting lineup because conley been playing obviously a lot better better than he did early um ingles is very capable of stepping in there and i really love royce o'neill as like a you know three and d kind of player and so i really like their starting five i don't like their bench and so now you're telling me that they're going to have to dig into that bench now already because Conley's not going to play. That really changes a lot. Yeah, you're relying on a lot of minutes from a guy like Emmanuel Moutier who we haven't seen be real effective in, in tons of minutes situations. I mean, I like Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, I think like, they're probably going to play like Mitchell as like a point guard kind of, I guess. For sure. And then, yeah, for sure. And you know, that's, they really, have, that's they have a big an, loss. They have like an interesting collection of young guys, right? Like the Mihaioni, Jarrell Brantley, types like that are also George kind of Niang. yeah niang exactly they're kind of three and d like high iq guys like i think you know utah to me is just not going to end up with having the horses to win the series especially because like we've talked about this before but like denver is so talented like but you know what i didn't like about denver and why i was gonna maybe pick against them is um their defense has been slipping and is- they're they're throwing you know porter who i like a lot upside wise but he's not a good defender right now um, he's young and he's a little stiff, and um, so I thought they were beatable. Uh, they definitely are. I mean, you, they, they, yeah. they definitely are beatable. Like, there's no this is this happens with Denver. Like this happened last year. Like their defense in the second half was just so bad, and it's like okay, they managed to make it to the Western Conference semifinals. They played two very fun series, but like you know, Utah, I would expect is going to make it much harder for them on offense, but like Utah offensively just isn't very good. Right. Like that's yeah, one of the biggest well, they, problems. They, so, they have f- limited pieces. Like I, and the other reason I was maybe going to pick Utah is like, I just think Quinn Snyder is a better coach and he yeah. can make the most out of what his ingredients are. But Denver just has what, like 10 guys now that they could mix and match if they wanted. And Utah has like four. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. Um, so I would, I would change my pick now, you know, Denver in six, I guess. Yeah, I, I like Denver in six. I think that's... But, like, how long is this birth happening? He literally has to it do, quarantine. It doesn't matter. Or? It doesn't matter how long he's out of the bowl for. You have to quarantine for a specific number of days regardless. So it depends on if he fails, you know, passes or fails his first test, then you have to get, you know, I, I think seven days probably seems pretty likely. Like, he goes, he sees the birth, he spends a day there. Is this there. his first kid? I mean, we, no, we've done I mean, it's fine. Thing. This is, I'm not, we're not doing this. It's, he should go see the birth of his child. All right. Four or five. The, I would, I would say like, this is probably the most exciting so series. Houston's in, for Oklahoma's five, technically there, but they have the exact same record and obviously home court doesn't matter in the bubble, right. except for uh, the little graphics and stuff. Houston minus 150 on Bovada, Oklahoma city plus 130. So about as even of a split as you can be. We don't know the scope of Russell Westbrook's injury. He has a strained quad. What's being reported right now is that he is going to miss at least a few playoff games at least the first few playoff games that's what we've heard from the houston chronicle i don't know this is going to sound crazy right 
Daniel House also missed uh, their last few games with a toe injury. It, it is important for him to play. Like, he was a game-time decision against Philly. Like, he'll, he'll – I'm sure he'll be ready to go. But it's important for him to play. Eric Gordon's back. Still the Eric Gordon who doesn't seem to make a lot of shots, but he, he's back. P.J. Tucker had a little hand, in, hand injury. He's back now, too. Wait, I, before you dive into it, I have an idea. How to make home court matter in the bubble. You know, they have this virtual screen and blah, blah, blah. They flash graphics and their fans – could a team, let's say, you know, like stack the deck and like, let's say Harden's afraid of spiders. Could you have all your virtual fans be like giant tarantulas or something like that? That's like freak them idea. out? Or just like if they have um, epilepsy, you just flash a bunch of lights at them, freak them out? Yeah, that's not good. You shouldn't say that. Uh, but anyway, Oklahoma City fully healthy, uh, which is is good. I think that the Russell Westbrook thing is interesting, right? Because the guard matchup is what everyone's really excited to see, right? You're Chris Paul against Harden, Westbrook and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Eric Gordon, you know, Schroeder. You're going to play a lot of three-guard lineups. Steven Adams is a, a really important part of what Oklahoma City does, and but he can get played off the floor quite easily. I think they'll use him as a rim protector, but Jeff Green shot the ball well in the bubble. It's scary to say that. P.J. Tucker does well on guys like Steven Adams. I think you've got to like... Houston. However, I will say Roberson coming back is, in in my opinion, a very big deal for this specific series because you can put him on Harden for a lot of the game, and I think that's important. And that and Dort Lugans Dort same deal, pretty thick defender, like pretty good defender. Plus, same Gallo. college too, right? Yeah, he went to Arizona State. So I I think there is a lot of reasons to like Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook. I was going to say I thought Houston and six seemed correct. Because I am a Houston lover, I'm going to say I think Houston wins in seven. I don't know if we're going to see Russell Westbrook in the first round. I, it's a shame too. It feels like another break. You know, like Harden has go against him, and the Rockets have go against him. But like this Oklahoma City team is very good, and losing your second best player, who makes you very different than everybody else is a big thing to overcome. And it, if you told me, like, you liked Oklahoma City in six, like, that wouldn't surprise me. Like, right. this is I a really good team. I think this is the closest series. Oklahoma City, as you said, plays a lot of three guards, and that, that helps them here because um, they can't be punished for it. And then the other thing for Oklahoma City's sake I would recommend is, like, I think you're right. Like, I think Steven Adams is going to get played off the court a lot. Well, they're going to gonna play him. That's the key is like, can they decide like to play him less, you know? Cause like but Billy like, Donovan is traditionally. I was going to say like Houston is like gone so all in on the small ball thing. How like Harden's going to have to sit for what? Eight minutes a night, right? At least. Is he going to play more than 40 minutes a night? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, but like it's, in those minutes, he's not playing like Houston doesn't have like a plan B. Um, yep. so they really have to take advantage, you know, with no Westbrook, I'm saying. So like the Oklahoma city really has to like pound those minutes and maybe Steven Adams is a key to that. It's like Houston without Harden, like, what are they going to do? Oh, you're, you are, you are exactly right about this. Like it's a, and again, like Houston's had very good fortune in the, ter- in the sense that like Austin Rivers has had some good games and then he followed up the best game of his career, like one of the worst games of his career. But like, he's been pretty good in the bubble. Daniel House has been very good. Ben McLemore has been very good. You know, you know what you're getting from PJ. Jeff Green's been very good. That's something we did not necessarily expect. And so, you know, it's, they've, they've struggled. They have struggled the last few games without Russ to try to figure out like what the best way to play is. Cause it's very difficult to, to, replace his energy and replace his ability to, right. you know, 
and and being that like backup quarterback. I mean, I I mentioned this stat to you. Like the average guy, if you're playing, let's say you're Stephen Adams, you know, high IQ player, as a center, he averages three assists per 36 minutes. Just like being out there and passing once in a while, he doesn't have the ball a lot. <laughs> Your buddy Austin Rivers, a guard, a point guard theoretically, averages two and a half assists per 36 minutes. Jordan Clarkson's the same, by the way. I mean, those are like my least favorite kind of players. I don't like either one at all. No, he's not. But that's the thing with Austin Rivers is like he's just never been that guy. Like he's an offensive first lead guard. Like and and now in the NBA, he's not quite as good offensively as people thought he was going to be. But like not even offense first, like a score first. Score first. That's exactly right. So like I'm trying to see, you know, with Rivers, I think it's – I don't know. You like him because he can defend a little bit too, but God dang, it's annoying like watching him play sometimes because he is very allergic to like running offense, you know, because yeah, he's always, he has some good games. Truthfully, I mean, he's a good pickup for, for Houston because he's always been an ISO player and they play so much in ISO. He's just not that good of an ISO player in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't like him. I, it's helpful to have him though now, just because like if Westbrook's out, um, I think Westbrook, as much as I hate Westbrook too, he's such a tough guy. I yeah. can't imagine he's going to miss a lot of time in a close I, series. Again, like this is what was reported. We're like we've said, we're recording Sunday. Uh, this they they play Tuesday, right? They're Tuesday night, I think. I believe they're yeah. Tuesday night at like six o'clock. So, like, would it stun me if all of a sudden Westbrook was just back? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think this is a series I would expect Russ would do everything he could to try to play. So if he's missing games, like this injury might be worse than we think. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel it like it probably is going to be worse and then he's going to gut through it and maybe not be as effective. But I, so annoying. I'm picking Houston for two reasons. One is I think Westbrook will come back earlier. Yeah. Like, let's say it's 2-2 and then he comes back and finishes off, you know, and they win two games and they win 4-2. The other reason you kind of mentioned, um, I think Oklahoma's going to guard Harden with like defenders like Dort and Roberson. And I, that's it makes sense, right? Obviously, those are the best defenders. But those guys like Dort, for example, like Lugatz Dort is such a no name that I think even in the bubble, Harden's going to get a ton of calls against him. I would agree. And I think I, he's uh, going to get like 15 free throws a game and then they'll win that way. Yeah, I would be expecting that to happen too. Dort is. Uh, unlikely to play in game one by the way with a knee sprain so that's actually i'm surprised to say that like that matters a lot but it does matter a good bit d'antoni said that they're going to evaluate russ every other day so we found that what we heard was on friday we have not heard an update as of now on sunday which is 2 15 eastern time so we may hear something we may not uh it does sound like they're pretty confident he's going to miss game one is this your favorite if you could only watch one series would this be the one that's a good question. It probably would be just from the standpoint of like, I want to watch Houston, but I am very, very intrigued by the Clippers in Dallas and the Lakers and the Blazers. I don't yeah, know. Those like entertainment wise, the LA series are good. Like the Eastern conference to me, you know, I want to see what the bucks, I want to see the bucks kind of get right. And I want to see them against a team that I think is pretty good defensively, because I think that's what really matters for the bucks is like what happens when like the game slows down at the end. Cause that's one of the biggest problems with pretty honest, I think is that, when the game gets slow and they're not making shots, like he has not been able to just bully guys. And I think that that's where we're going to try to figure out, like, has he really added that next level to his game? Like we saw LeBron do in, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011, when he finally was ready to win a title. 
I don't know that Giannis has that in him yet. And I think playing Orlando in the first round is actually a pretty good matchup because they are so good defensively. And I think that that's something that for the Bucks, it's going to be interesting to see how we see them use Giannis late in games. Now, the problem is they might just be up 25 every game. So, like, maybe we get nothing from it. But I do think watching the Bucks and trying to see them get right is – That's like a basketball important. junkie kind of answer because, like, like – that's like a 4-0 series. Like, I think the best series are going to be this one, Houston, Oklahoma City. And then just for, like, entertainment value, like the Clippers and versus Luka I mean, and then the Lakers versus Dame. It's like, I want to watch that, like, the same way you would watch, like, a spider try to crawl out of the toilet. Like, it's not going to work, but, like, he's trying so hard, and Lillard's going to try so hard. You know, the other thing I would say, too, and I think this is probably a little bit overrated, but, like, Philly and Boston, like, they really don't like each other, right? Like, they just don't. Like, they've they've played each other in the playoffs, what, two straight years now, and Embiid is just constantly talking. Yeah. And so I wish we would get home court advantage for that because, like, watching Embiid in Boston is always very fun. But, like – And there's, like, a potential train wreck factor. Like, is Embiid going to quit on – Yeah. Like, Are they going to turn on each other? And then I do think, too, like I said, the, the, for me, the Eastern Conference, like, the second-round matchups, I want chalk to hold. Like, I want one and four. I want Miami to win. I guess Miami's five, right? Whatever. Okay. I would want Miami to win and I would want Boston and Toronto and Milwaukee to all win because I want to see those four teams be the final four because I think they've been the best four teams in the East this year. And I think, like I said, the Miami matchup with Milwaukee is one that I've had circled because I think they guard Giannis quite well. And I think that they are not afraid of the Bucs. And I think if we're going to see the Bucs get upset, it might be that series, you know? And so I want to see that happen. But like Indiana is no slouch either. I I just feel like there's more... I don't know that there's a ton of chaos really. Right. That, like I was going to recommend in terms of betting on our preferred sites. Um, I was going to say Utah cause they were like two to one underdog. And I thought they had a you know, close to 50, 50 chance. If I had to recommend a bet, it's going to be boring, but I'm like, I have a really hard time seeing the Lakers lose to this Portland team. And even if it's minus 400, like it's not minus 10,000. You yeah. could bet a hundred and win twenty or whatever. It's minus five seventy five. Minus five. Oh, it is. So it's still pretty high. But I mean, like, honestly, if you wanted the one thing that I think is is the most value right now, like all right, I want to bet on somebody that's plus money. Like, I I would I would bet on I would bet on the Mavs plus four twenty five. Like, I don't think they're going to win. I think the Clippers are really really good. But like, Luca is probably the best player on a team getting plus money you never know if the Clippers just implode, right? Like if they just, they've been apart for so long, they haven't had their full team like ready. Like you never know, right? Well, well, and then the other thing that's fun about betting in these, these games is no home court advantage. So there's like no wild swings and you don't have to factor that in your mind. So like, if you want to bet Mavs plus six, just in game one, you could do that and get your money back. Or KC is also minus 1.5 in that Houston game. So they are expecting Russ to not. Yeah. So that that was the one I was going to mention because like Rockets are favored in the series, but he, Oklahoma City's favored in the first couple games, right? Well, I mean, at least the the, the first line I've seen is there. Yeah, and it's off the board on this side I'm seeing, but I thought Oklahoma City was favored in game one, but not in the series. Yeah, I have it as I have it as Oklahoma City minus one point five on on uh, Bovada right now. I mean, even the Lakers were only minus five and a half. Like, and again, yeah, that I seems think- low. I think people are thinking that poor. Like it's max like Portland hype right now, and that's why I would bet against them. But I'm rooting for them. 
Yeah, the Denver Denver line is updated now. So Nuggets are minus five in game one, which is surprising because I would agree at full strength that those two teams are, are quite similar in talent level and ability. But even, you know, I mean, even like that Pacers, Pacers heat is probably going to be end up being the best series would be my guess. Because like, I think those two teams are pretty good. And I think that like, we need one series to go six or seven. So I guess that and Oklahoma City Houston are the, are the two series that like if I had to pick like all right are these going to go seven like those are the two. Uh, do you think, think they're like the artificial crowd noise? Do they turn it up in the playoffs or not? <laughs> I I do not I do not know that. I think we're in for a good. Uh, I think we're in for. A, and a you good... didn't like my spider idea either. Well, I thought <laughs> the spider analogy. Spiders. I thought the spider not the analogy. analogy. I meant like good. the crowd noise instead of that. Well, I don't think that's very good because I also think that like I don't know. I mean, you got to reveal intimate information about people. We don't like to do that. I, I'm interested to see what Harden does. He has not been without like a second banana for a long time, right? Like he had Chris Paul. He had, I guess, Dwight Howard before that, if you want to you count that. And then him and Russ were quite a good team. And I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he gives us like a 40-12-10 and 10 series and they, and they beat Oklahoma City because Oklahoma City is really good. Like they're really solid. They're talented. Their young guards are ready to go. Like, and Chris Paul, you know he wants to – come for houston so maybe he takes the challenge and guards harden although i doubt it i, I'm, I would I assume, it. I would assume <laughs> he guards shade, i can see shade doing a doing a little better job I mean, why wouldn't you have roberson on him for as much time as you could right like dort and roberson be, if, if dort was healthy like wouldn't those be the only two guys you really want on harden like it's length it's like weight. i agree but i just i just don't like the no name factor like i do think the refs still are influenced by that well, we were joking about it on saturday like dame has gotten a lot of calls but it did feel like on saturday in the second half the officials swallowed their whistle a couple times on some like very obvious like dame embellishments and i wonder if that's going to be the case now um quick update conley does have other kids with the same it's his college sweetheart I mean, he's such a good guy, you know, he's been guy. married since college, same girl. I mean, you root for him. And it's such a shame that he might miss the, from our perspective. He might miss the whole series. It's not a shame. He's, I mean, it's a shame I mean, for me. I mean, that's, I'm the same person in my his world. His check's clear anyway, right? Like you get bereavement leave. But I mean, this is a guy who had such a bad start and I do think they had a shot of winning round one. All right, so we will probably be back with, I would say, Thursday or Friday. Maybe after each series is two games, we'll be back with some updates and some thoughts on what, you know, how we feel like it's gone, how we feel like the all-basketball, all-day thing goes, because you get to watch every series. Nothing is up against anything else. Yeah, it's kind of like the NCAA tournament, right? It's like games all day long. So that should be fun. But, uh, Zan, I am excited. I'm ready. I, you know, I was one that didn't necessarily think we were going to get to this point of the NBA season. So it's, you know, for me, it's found money right now, I think. Amazing job. Still, I mean, like, even if these playoffs aren't great, like, you know, every other sport, the country's falling apart. Other sports are falling apart. NBA, A plus job. NBA, NHL going strong. Uh, all right. Email the show, Gelson at gmail.com. And Zan, uh, as always, it's, it's a Take pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.